turned on. That'll be it. That's better. That, that's good. Yeah. That's a good start. Good you, start. you turned on, Dean? <laughs> I'm, I'm really turned on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today, we've got a very noisy dog behind us, but we're also talking about how to make indie films with the team behind the Bromley Boys, a period indie film set around football. I am Giles Alderson, producer of the horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, director of the vampire documentary World of Darkness and the psychological horror feature film The Dare starring Richard Brake who's just wrapped principal photography on Rob Zombie's Three from Hell um, and The World of Darkness is also out now it's available you can watch it on Vimeo Pro link in the show notes um, excited I hope you enjoy that give me, a, give me a nice review why not let us know what you think of that film be interested to know so joining me today to talk about making their latest indie film, The Bromley Boys, and filmmaking in general, is producers Dean Fisher and TJ Herbert, and director Steve Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. 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 How are you all feeling in this hot day? It's lovely and warm in here. Yeah. Yes. Fortunately, you can't see my shiny forehead, so that's good. That's always good. <laughs> or we, mine, or Dean's. No. <laughs> and we're also joined by loads of goods in this office at the moment, because we've got our premiere at Wembley Stadium on Thursday wow. and you actually can't move in this office so um, these yes. boxes of crisps and sweets and yeah popcorn popcorn you've got to have a bit of popcorn it's not the real popcorn that I love but it's it another story Dean it's another story is it yeah. vegan popcorn it could be but that's why we're in this little cramped space which no one can see because they can only hear us at the moment they oh and we've got uh, Bromley Boys badges Yep. And bags with Bromley Boys on it. Yeah. This premiere Thursday, I'm very excited, by the yeah. way. No expense spared. I'm looking no. forward to it. Thank I am. you. I am. The, the trailer's amazing. The little teaser I've seen as well, which Dean sent me, um, is fantastic. Thank I can't much. wait to see well, this Well, it's Wembley Stadium, and, and it was the right venue for this type of film. I mean, the film started off in 1966 when England won the World Cup. Well, so that's when the film started up. You started writing it in 1966? No, we didn't, actually. <laughs> right. The actual story. <laughs> um, yes, I, I've been around for many years, and yes, I started yes, writing yes. in 1966. Well, let's and... talk about your be- let's talk about your beginnings, because... I'll read a little bit about what you guys have been doing. It always sounds nice to hear as well. Dean, Dean Fisher, his first feature was the cult hit Night Junkies. Um, there was a great lead in that, wasn't there? Was there was a great, was a great lead, lead in that, in that wasn't yeah. there? Who was that? What, who, what were they called? It wasn't I don't my name. Um, that budget was about 45k you made that film on? Yep. Are we allowed yeah. to say now? Yeah, yeah, problem? it doesn't matter. No, doesn't one, matter, no yeah. one watches it anymore, really? so yeah. it doesn't really matter. About 15. <laughs> 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 it went on to be a commercial success. Thank you. Yes, um, it did. And made you into a household name. Well, that's not true. <laughs> um, his second feature, City Rats, which was directed by Steve Kelly here, became a UK top three hit. Yeah. Well, yep. Released Ooh. by Revolver Entertainment. Dean then went on to make Interview with a Hitman, crime thriller starring Luke Goss, and The Man Inside, a boxing thriller starring Peter Mullan, Michelle Ryan, uh, Bashi Thomas. Yeah. David Harewood was in that Jason Mazza. Carl Barat and Ray Panthaki. Yeah. Uh, Dean then produced the urban comedy It's a Lot. Uh, this is a comedy film. Starred a whole host of key casts from the hit, hit films Adulthood, Kidulthood, and Anotherhood. Yeah. Check that out. That's cool. Yeah, it's not bad. And then um, One Crazy Thing. I'm coming oh, to that Oh, you're coming now. to that. Oh, I Other films now. include 
<laughs> Stormhouse, The Contract, and recently released romantic comedy One Crazy Thing, written and directed by <laughs> Amit Gupta. The film stars Daisy Bevan, Ray Panthaki, and Dan Skinner. That is an amazing intro. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Well, it's it makes me feel career. really old, actually, now. Does it? <laughs> you are. As, as old as 66. Yes. Oh, 1966. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, yeah. that would make you... Anyone guess? Uh, 54? 54, yeah. Yeah, 54. Is it that? It's a roughie? Yeah, but I'm not that old. No? Okay. No. Um, TJ Herbert. Hello. Hi, welcome. He's a producer, writer, and actor. He's the founder and CEO of Itchy Fish Film and worked on the films 31 North, 62 East with John Reese davies He produced and starred in The Cutting Room, Horror with Lydia Orange, and Andromeda Godfrey, and Media Studies, directed by Warren Dudley. Other films include A Dark Reflection, Perfect Break, and Blood Money. That's correct. Yeah? <laughs> Anything you want to add? Did I get that uh, right? No, no, that was absolutely perfect. Um, it, it's safe to say that The Bromley Boys is my first departure into proper feature filmmaking. I see. Uh, the Cutting Room, which I also produced, I'd like to say, was a little test. Okay, fine. It <laughs> to, did well, though, right? Yeah, to, yeah I did, did okay. No, absolutely. Yeah, it got some pretty good distribution. Yeah. It was a very, very low-budget film. It did more than pay back the investors, which ultimately is what you want to do, right? So important. And yeah. you, did you do it in a way to be in it as well as an actor? Did that Was that one of the main reasons? Yeah, I mean, I cast myself um, uh, as the, uh, uh, well, as the monster in the film, uh, in the cutting room, um, which, uh, don't get gave, typecast. Funny, she doesn't no. look like a monster. That's no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> but it gave me an well. opportunity to um, literally feed off uh, 18-year-old virgins. So, right. Um, okay, me too. That is a here. monster. <laughs> that really is a monster. Yeah. Uh, so I was a cannibal. Well? <laughs> no, Warren actually wrote it. Warren <laughs> Dudley wrote it, okay. who was a uh, screenwriter on the Bromley Boys as well. Yes. Um, so I think it's safe to say for both of us, we've, uh, we've upped our game since the cutting room. <laughs> Excellent. That's good to know. And also joining us is Steve Kelly. He's directed many TV and films. Meant much TV, I suppose that should be. He's directed no. much TV and many films. That would be a um, better way of... He's directed, proper English, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, how would you... A directed... An awful but, lot of. Yeah, an awful lot of. Hundreds of hours. Hundreds of hours of TV. Television. Including... Yeah. Is Harry on the boat? <laughs> Did I say prime, prime time? time? Yeah, dream team. Um, okay, you're really dredging it doctors, up now, aren't you? Um, obviously, casualty judge John D. We're lifting well. it Let's higher lift and higher. We higher. end it on a high note there. And films including City Rats, which we mentioned, which starred Danny yeah. Dyer and Tam Hassan. Uh, the Shouting Men, starring Craig Fairbrass. And a whole host of footballers, including John Barnes and Peter Beardsley. And... He made the comedy short films, Close Equivalent, A Right Mug, The Car and the Core Girl, 110%, and Son of Serpico. Together, they made the about-to-be-released comedy The Bromley Boys, with TJ directing and Dean producing... Oh, wait, I didn't... That'll be interesting. Wait, yeah. I did that wrong. Absolutely. I did that wrong. I read uh, that wrong. No, I did. Wait. I did direct it. Did you? Yeah, 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 no, I did. Um, I directed mean, himself yeah. very yeah. badly. Yeah. I, I just didn't put the names incorrectly on IMDb. Yeah. That's yeah. the way to do it. Oh, that's, that's correctly, TJ and Dean produced it and Steve directed. So listen... Are you sure he didn't star in it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did as well, actually. And yeah, I did it as well. As the back end of the horse. Yeah, I might have done that. No, I didn't. So listen, welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. Steve Kelly, TJ Herbert and Dean Fisher. Greetings. And Ollie the dog as well. The, Ollie the dog's not yeah. clapping. The girls in the background didn't clap. I no. did notice yeah. Yeah. the girls working with you. Hello, girls. Hello. Oh. Oh, how are the boys? Are they good? What, what do you mean good? What's well, the definition what, the of good? Definition... Polite and sweet. Yeah? We'll take that. Yeah. We'll take that. The boys will take that. 
They eat all those <laughs> Oh, that's too. nice. We've got a premiere drink. coming up, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've got to get trimmed for the premiere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we only got, didn't realise our eating hours ago. habits were being monitored. No. <laughs> they have to look after your welfare, too. Yeah. 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 They're, they're trying to get you on the Thank vegan you. vibe. That's yeah, what it's that's, all about. Get true. on the vegan yeah, vibe. Nice plug. Nice plug. Thank you. Thank you. And this podcast is all about helping people get off their asses and make their first film. Or the harder part, keep making films. And don't talk about it as well, because that's what everyone does, is talk yeah. about making a film, and not many people actually go ahead. This and, is a good point, because yeah. a lot of filmmakers do go around saying, I'm making this, I'm making this, and never actually make anything. So yeah. you're suggesting, keep it under wraps until it's actually happening. I'm not. No, also, I I'd put it out there, you want to make a film. That's how you connect, that's how mm-hmm. you get to know other people who could also want to make a film. Hey, you know, you might put it out there a hundred times, but if you genuinely want to make a feature... You have to put it out there. You want to make a feature and you want to attract the other people around you that mm-hmm. go, do you know what? Yeah, okay, I want to be your producer. I agree with And that. then I want to be your camera and I want to be this and I want to be in it as well. That's the how you actually get going. You need to collaborate. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can do it on your own. Well, if you can, it'll be bad. But there's a suppose there's a small part of that is if you keep going around saying you're making a film and you're not... Oh, you can't well, get then the money. You're, then. you're deluding yourself. Fine. How was your start then, Steve? Because you said there about, did you go around saying, listen, I'm making a film? No, I was really lucky in the sense that uh, I got into television first, mm. and uh, which is ITV. ITV is this amazing company. Certainly was I've many years it. back. So my career kind of went uh, runner into the sound department because my dad said he couldn't get me into the sound department. So wow. he was working there at the same time. So I thought, you know what? I want to do it on my own. Prove him wrong. Well I done. I was an idiot, but nevertheless, <laughs> I proved him wrong. Because uh, you always want to prove yourself at some point. And then I went from there into uh, post-production sound. Then from post-production sound, I went across to editing and directing. And I realized I was probably about 19, 20. I would have been the youngest director in the whole of ITV. And certainly the BBC at the time. And I just realised that I looked like a choir boy. I looked like I was 13 and I'd I'd kind of be going to set and, you know, the the actors who I hadn't cast, who would have been non-principals, would uh, come up to me and ask me for a cup of tea. And then I'd have to have a grizzled old first assistant director rescue me and say, well, this is let me introduce you to the director. And I realised it was embarrassing for them and it was slightly embarrassing for me. And also I realised that you need to learn to tell a story. Mm -hmm. One of the great ways to tell a story is to learn how to edit material. Mm -hmm. Because you can get some absolute rubbish, Mm -hmm. but you've still got to turn out something that has a real genuine narrative. And learning how to edit makes you understand the beginning and ends of scene. understand how it should look you understand the shots you need well that that's the the key thing at the end of the day is you're telling a story and Mm. and the most important thing is whenever i am shooting i know what the minimum i've got to go back with to make that work there you go and and that's a real key thing for me is i know whether i want to shoot it all in one i know it's going to work and if i want to shoot it in five but only get a chance to shoot it in three well, I know I've got the scene and I know I need to spend my time doing something else. So that, that obviously comes through a bit of, bit of experience, but you only get experience if you do. Get off your backsides, go and do something. No matter how big, how small, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And don't, you know, you never have to show anybody if you don't want to what you've done, but start the process. Just get going. Yep. Agreed I was going to say, just, just to add to that, give yourself a realistic chance of making the film. Um, so many people are so ambitious. I'm going to make my first feature film for 20 million pounds and it's going to have this A, this cast. And then they look at the figures of what Star Wars is just gross. And that's what I'm going to bring in for my film. It's so far removed from reality. You know, when I say people just sit around and talk about it because they don't always have realistic ambitions of what can be achieved, you know, find a script that's not too complicated 
you know, get the story right, find an angle which you think is going to work for the market. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you need to, make it on your credit card. I know that's a a stupid thing to do, Mm. but sometimes that's what you have to do to get something going and get get some momentum. You Mm. know, once you build some momentum, then other things start you know, other people start coming on board. You know, it's like a train. You've got to let the train go, leave the station yeah. and then everyone starts jumping on board. Yeah, I, mean, um, I think we'd all like to aspire to have a hit film first time out. But the chances are, and the statistics would say, you're unlikely to do that. You know, you can only succeed by failing more than the person next to you. Love that. So just get Absolutely. out there and, and, and fail. And obviously, it's a good one to just get something done. Make a short. It doesn't have to be a good short. Make a short. You will learn so much in the process. Mm. And also, find somebody that's already done it. And ask them to mention. I I mentor people. I I you know I don't officially go around with a badge saying I'm a mentor, mm. but there's uh, I've got a guy coming to the premiere who has made one very small, very unsophisticated silent movie. It wasn't supposed to be silent, but apparently the sound man didn't turn up. To become a silent <laughs> film. But actually, no, the fact well, is, that's a great way he's of improvising on set. He's made it, and he's tried to find a way to work on the material so that he's got something to show at the end of it. And I really respect that and admire that. Yeah. So, you know, I tried to talk to him and other people as well, if I can help in any way, because we all started at the very, very bottom. Mm-hmm. Hey, sometimes just start, you know, just start some way, get something done, learn, and then go again and go again. Don't give up. Start well, at the bottom and then you're well, not at the bottom anymore. I was going to say about short films. I mean, I, I, I spent probably seven years making short films before I went anywhere near a feature film. Ten minutes film. was one of them. Ten minutes was my, my last of my short films. It, won, it went to 21 international film festivals, won about three or four awards. <laughs> the fact is, you, you, you know where your skills lie, and I always yes. knew producing was was hopefully the, the, the job for me. And but you started kind of stuck an, at as it. an actor a little bit as well, didn't I you? I did, and I started to produce films initially, short films, mm-hmm. to give myself better parts as an actor. And then I wouldn't cast myself in the end because I wanted better actors than me. And I thought, if I'm not going to cast myself, mm-hmm. who else is going to? So I, I in, in the end, just said, look, I, I enjoy producing. I like the mechanics behind the camera a lot more. Mm. And, um, yeah, quit acting. But it's great because it helps when you're dealing with your actors. You know what they're going through. Mm. Um, you give them the respect that they deserve and, and make sure that they're not just getting changed in the street, you know. Absolutely. So, but... But certainly short films mm. is the best way of learning how to get all your mistakes out the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- th- don't spend fortunes like I did. I mean, my final short film took me about five years to actually pay back in the end. Really? Um, but I knew that was my calling card and transition into feature films. And it was and it did. Ten minutes yeah. pretty much took you straight into Night Junkies, right? Yep. Which starred someone amazing. Yes. <laughs> Rene Zaga. Oh, Rene Zaga. Yeah. That was the other one. Not me. <laughs> you know what? I would also say that one thing you do as a director is partner. With, if you haven't got the skills of writing, and let's face it, not all of us have all skills at all, partner with writers. People mm. can write. Find yeah. people that you can partner up with. I like that. TJ, what about your start? Because obviously you're coming from the acting background as well. Did you do the same thing to get into producing? Did you make shorts as well and think this is the way forward? Um, well, I... I um, Oh, crikey, when did I start working? Um, in the 66. industry, probably about yeah, 66. <laughs> um, I, I began my life as a runner. Um, oh, right. Yeah, so um, sort of worked on the production side and decided I wanted to be a director. So I went to mm-hmm. film school 
uh, to become a director. And, well, which uh, film school? Uh, Arts International. No longer exists. That's it's right. now Green Screen Studios. Was this the one in, in North Yorkshire? Yorkshire? Yeah. That's where I'm from. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, so, but I came out of that because we also used to have to act as part of the course. Um, I discovered that I was quite good at acting. Uh, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet. It was just something, something that came quite naturally to great. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I basically decided to focus on that once I graduated. Um, and as you'll be aware, it's a rocky road as an actor. Indeed. Uh, so I've been acting for about 15 years. But the, the whole principle behind uh, setting up Itchy Fish was to produce my own content mm. and create work for myself as an actor. Um, the, the play on the Itchy Fish is Itchy Feet. Right. You know, Trying to, yeah, to just around. wanting to do stuff mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, basically taking things into your own hands and, uh, yeah, generating work for yourself. So I'd like to think that's what I've done with uh, the Bromley Boys, for myself anyway. Yeah. Um, and, it's uh, a great calling card. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And um, let's talk about Bromley Boys because it took a long while to come to the screen. Because I know you'd been talking about this project with me for quite a while. And I know Alan Davies from football as well. And he was attached years ago i think he was playing the narrator role um how did it come about and how did you all get together on this project well i suppose you might as well talk about the start because really this originated with tj from Mm -hmm. him reading the book um yes i i stumbled across the book in in my local waterstones in bromley basically just thought it would make an awesome film so i Mm. hunted the author down who was living in connecticut uh and says him look you don't know me uh, but I'm a local lad from Bromley mm-hmm. and uh, I'd love to try and turn this into a screenplay and then hopefully into a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and um, it was at that point that I engaged with a chap called Warren Gud- uh, Dudley, excuse me, Warren Dudley, get his name right. <laughs> it's very hot in here, guys, yeah. really hot. Yeah. Not that uh, hot, <laughs> got used to it. <laughs> Sweating up. Um, no, it's at that point, well, once... Uh, Dave Roberts, the author of the, the, the book, had given me the rights. I then engaged a chap called Warren Dudley. Now, Warren is a, a very talented screenwriter, uh, particularly at uh, comedy. Mm-hmm. And Warren had directed a pilot, which he'd cast me in, called Come On You Chickens, which was about a non-league football team, mm-hmm. uh, which had some really great one-liners in. Sadly, the, um, the uh, series didn't get commissioned, but he was my first choice. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a funny one. You know, nothing ever transpired from that pilot. Mm-hmm. But on the back of that, I'd made, you know, acquaintances with some really great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, that's what led me to Warren. So you never know how these things are going totally to play out, do mm-hmm. you? Um, and Warren, yeah, agreed to do it and has been with me for seven years. But it's been a long old slog. It has. So well, I, I came on board six years ago. You know, then we met up with TJ. We got him really well. Um, he hadn't had much producing experience, so he needed someone alongside him that to had hold my been, hand to yeah, hold well, his you hand. Do, and you to, need that. Why not? And, and to go through nice. the journey together, and it's, it's been a good, you know, marriage in a way. We work really well yeah, together. Yeah. We bounce off each other I really mean, well. Yeah, it's 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 obviously a it's a testament to to the working relationship that you can go through mm. so much together mm. and still be talking to each other <laughs> i totally agree yeah it's really um, important if you can get through that making it, a film it, together, is. it, it really is a, it, you know you, you, your, your choice of words is correct it is like a marriage mm. yeah. you know you do you do see more of your producing partner than you do of your immediate loved one absolutely you know it's mm. but it, we can't even finish each other's sandwiches yeah the man sitting next to us and we worked together on City Vats. Um, 
you know, I, I know Steve's work. I know how good he is with actors and how to get the most out of what is generally a limited budget. Mm, um, yeah. And, you know, he really fights for the calls. I knew how he could get the most out of his HODs and get them to shine and bring that A-game to the, to the film. Once again, there was an immediate connection mm-hmm. we had, you know, beyond football. And you've got to be able to get on with yes, the director, you know, to. and we did. We clicked, didn't we? Yeah. Pretty much instantly. Yeah. And um, what did you see in the, the script? Was it the script that came to you first? Because obviously you'd made a football movie before that. So was this like a, a, an extension of this? Um, it was very, very different, this one. For a start, you know, I've done lots of things that involve digging up dead bodies, mm. killing people, Doctors. blowing things up, the bill. Ex- exploding. Yeah, you know. Dream team. Dream team. <laughs> <laughs> Please, by mention, dream team again. Dream team, dream team, dream team. Dream team, though. Harry on the boat. Is Harry on the boat? Is Harry on the boat? Is he, though? You know, how, how I kind of got involved in this was I'd worked with Dean before and we'd gone on really, really well. City Rats was a runaway success. It was shot for peanuts mm. but looked massive and fortunately for me when dean contacted me and he said just you know read the script see what you think i read the script and i really liked it mm-hmm. because it's positive it's not the the digging up the dead bodies that i'd kind of made a bit of a career <laughs> sure. for you know it wasn't all screaming drama mm-hmm. it actually played very beautifully and it kind of makes you feel warm inside and there were a few bits that just made me belly laugh and i read loads of scripts you know so i thought this this could potentially depending upon how the producers want to produce it. This could be quite good. This could be very good. Mm. And then, you know, the rest comes about getting a great team for, for for the whole thing. So not only, obviously, you've got two producers, you've got one director, you've got a great, great writer, you've got a great script, you've obviously got to get the money. That's a whole other thing. I'll leave that to the boys to talk about. But then what do you get? You start getting your team around you. And we really, really lucked out and worked hard to make sure that in every department, whether it was the art department, whether it was makeup, whether it was costume, whether it was cinematography, whether it was sound, we try to get really great people. And what I mean by that is people that aren't just trying to make their movie, Mm. somebody that's prepared to collaborate and has sufficient experience to offer something. And sometimes what they offer is pure enthusiasm other times it's years in the industry but whatever everyone collaborated everyone used everything they had and came together and it was a very very happy shoot i mean you know it's a tough shoot all low budget indies and i say low budget it's not fair to call it low budget because i've worked on micro budget this wasn't micro budget but we didn't have anything to waste we really had to be very clever with our resources one thing we we, you know, when we're trying to get HODs on board, you want to make it a family. Mm. You know, filmmaking is an amazing experience mm. and you spend so long trying to get your project together. So when you actually go into the shooting process, you want to feel that it's something really enjoyable mm. um, and you've got the team around you that will make it a pleasure. And certainly with comedy, it's it generally puts a smile on everyone's face everyone's happy to come to work you know when you you're killing people in a you know in a horror film or something like that it's a different vibe on set and even drama you know the whole set is a lot more serious because the actors are going to deliver these very powerful serious performances yeah and they need comedy they need yeah Yeah. absolutely concentration comedy is about a family and and togetherness and and and, and having fun and i think arguably it's the hardest medium to get right it is it's totally it's Mm -hmm. really hard because you know what what's funny so some of the funniest moments were shot so quickly i can't tell you whole scenes which is really one of our centerpieces the whole scene was shot in probably 25 minutes i don't right. need to look at the rushes a whole scene which would have occupied 
probably somewhere in the region of a minute on screen was shot uh-huh. in about 25 minutes when the sun was falling right out of the sky with gloomy clouds just above it. And we just did it so quick. And yet, you know, you look back at that now and, and it is the moment where I don't know who you are, what you are. If you're watching it, you'll have a big reaction and a big laugh. I love it. I love it. Let me just describe what it's about. Um, Bromley boys, it's 1969 with England preparing for the defence of their World Cup crown. And George Best delighting crowds with his virtuoso skills at Old Trafford. 15-year-old David Roberts fell in love, head over heels in love with his local non-league club, Bromley FC. The Lily Whites were a team who had seen better days. Crowds had dwindled to less than 100. Players were turning up late, if at all. And the team were letting in so many goals that taunting opposition fans would lose count of the score. But could a new manager make all the difference? And could that be 15-year-old Dave Roberts? Play the trumpet. There are people on the pitch. They think it's all over. It is now. Yeah. My story begins in 1966, listening to England win the World Cup. Oh, yes! club down the road. Bromley. Bromley rubbish. Football is rubbish. I say you can't choose who you fall in love with. Bromley. And thanks to my mum, fall in love with them, I did. This was my team. Come on, Bromley! Do you know if anyone good to play? We were rubbish. Really rubbish. Go on, Bromley! Would anyone like to come with me to see Bromley versus Barking this Saturday? Hello, Dave. Hi, Ruby. I didn't know you were a footballer. Yeah, no, you just missed my hat-trick. Right foot, left foot and header. Oh, oh, oh! oh. After George Best, Ruby McQueen was the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Are you going to take me out to the day? First, though, we need to break into your dad's office. You lot to keep your noses out of my business! You haven't kissed a girl. Not really. Picture of being a stub, so I cut out and stuck to a frying pan. <laughs> I've always loved football, but now my passion knew no bounds. Get the tank off your head! So what have I learned from all of this? Football is not the most important thing in the world. Besides. Oh, I'm kidding. Of course it is. So, um, in terms of how you made this film then, let's talk about how you managed to raise the money, if you don't mind. Obviously, you don't have to say how much and what it was, but because it took a long time to come to screen. How did this happen? Well, first of all, TJ robbed a bank. Well, and I know, I know, that was hot. No, that's not. That wasn't the first option. No, 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 no. Um, well, <laughs> well, after I, I started to try and sell my body and that didn't work, right? I then went to sell oh, uh, to, to the bank to sell the bank to rob the bank. But after that not working either, I went the traditional route of finding high net worth individuals and going to these networking events. So you went to events. Ah, interesting. Yes, I did, and and you know. Film finance is a really tough one because mm-hmm. you you meet a lot of people that want to get involved in film finance. Mm. But when it comes down to it, are they good for the money? That's it. There's a lot of people who say they have the money. Uh, and that was the not. problem. So the, the film was financed twice before right. it was properly financed. Mm. Uh, so that was most definitely the, the slowest part of the whole process. That probably took about four years. Right. 
Okay. <laughs> so how did you go about meeting these uh, H? Well, individual. I think I think the way it works, and this would be probably a little bit of advice for for anyone that mm. um, is looking to raise finance for for a short film or whatever it is, um, you've got to put yourself in a position where you're really uncomfortable, okay? Because you'll only learn from that experience. And the hardest thing to do is to ask someone you don't know, "Can you give me some money for my film?" Absolutely, it's a really tough sell, regardless of how good you are at pitching, mm-hmm. but over time, you'll get better at it and you'll know the reactions because investors, you know, they do have similar character traits. Mm. And so you'll know how to refine your pitch because you know that that didn't work the last time you tried to pitch it that way. Right. Okay. okay. And so you get better at the pattern. And so that's what I would say to, you know, to, to your listeners, just keep going, keep pushing through. It's a tough thing to do, mm. um, but you'll get better at it. Okay. And you will find someone that will believe in you and back you, or a few people, <laughs> like Which, we did. Right. Okay. <laughs> but also, I think investors sometimes are looking for you to trip up. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to make sure that all your ducks in a row, you, you've got all your figures right, everything there. You've got an amazing pack, which tells of all the actors and, and, and where your market is to the film. And if you trip up in one place, they're out. You know, it's very much like the Dragon's Den with investors, you know. Looking for one little thing. Exactly. And and I always say how any film happens is a miracle Mm. because it is because you've got so many stars that need to align um, and and all work together for that film to happen. And and we had a really rocky road on this one, you know, trying to get investors. We thought we were funded and we're not. But to be honest, that's been the same on every film. Yeah. You know, and and you've got to have that tenacity. and You've got to keep going. Yeah, sorry to jump in, but you've just got to keep going. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, one thing which I think did help us, and it was part of our strategy, uh, we raised some of the finance through one of these equity-based crowdfunding platforms called Syndicate Room. Syndicate Room. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, Syndicate Room, because they're FCA regulated, you as the uh, the filmmaker mm-hmm. have to jump all through all of those hoops before you even get in the room. Yeah, it's a lot right. of com- yeah. one. It's all the compliance it's, that you yeah. have to go through. Yeah. Well, that's that, a good thing, right? No, yeah. completely. So, for, from that point of view, as as much as it was tough, really tough, I knew once we could get through all of that, I could then use that as a bit of a, a bargaining chip with other investors and saying, look. We've gone through this process with mm-hmm. Syndicate Room. They have to comply with, uh, you know, FCA regulations. That gave investors, new investors coming in, peace of mind yes. to know that I'd been vetted mm-hmm. by the Syndicate Room and gone through all of their internal due diligence. So, so by then, investors are going, okay, well, if he's done that, we trust in him. They weren't and throwing we'll their cash him. at me. Of course, but, <laughs> but it, you got it, in the room. Yeah, it got in the room mm-hmm. and, it, and it certainly helped because that's the other thing. The hard... The hardest thing about raising money is getting that first bit. Once you've got your first bit, then you can start saying, well, he's in. Mm -hmm. So would you like to be in? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had a lead investor um, and, you know, he was a great ambassador for the film. He was, you know, a highly regarded uh, businessman. And uh, yeah, basically he fought our corner for us and certainly helped us along the way in achieving, you know, the budget we needed to make the film. Fantastic. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Right. <laughs> the reason why I said almost, we yes. were actually still raising money while we were shooting the film. 
I wouldn't recommend anyone does that. No, it was stressful. Really? And, and I think the main yeah. thing for us... A few people have done it. Yeah, it it's not I, I something you recommend because I think we wanted to make sure that we had the right cash flow to at least get through to the end of the shoot. Everyone got paid before us. Yeah. You know, we always made sure that, you know, if we've got a crew of people there that no one's going, where's my money? Good. Because that, that derails the production mm-hmm. and, and shuts yeah. it down. So yeah. we had to, although we were trying to raise money, we tried to keep a happy atmosphere on set and not let anyone know what we were going through behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, because that I mean. soon gets round. And uh, and I don't think you know, you know, no one realised that. It doesn't benefit that. the film at no, all. No, it doesn't either. benefit the film. But we knew, as, as Dean says, we knew that we could get to the end of the film mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, we would have to sort of defer ourselves right. to ensure that the film did get, did get completed. Wow. Okay. And that, that is obviously quite a big commitment. It's but, huge. But we knew it was worth it. And, and the film was so worthwhile putting ourselves through that yeah. because yeah. we knew the end game was, was going to be good. And as soon as we had something to show people, yeah. the rest of the money came pretty easy no, because the proof yeah. was in the pudding. I yeah. agree with that. And also being on set filming something, surely you could bring investors to see what was yeah, happening. Yeah, we, we did do that. We did do that a few times, yeah. Mm. Um, so that certainly helped. Yeah, we did raise some money, actually. Now I think about it like that with people coming down. Yeah, because they see um, what's going on. Oh, absolutely. Movie set, there's real it's, people it's a real deal. It's yeah. a real deal. Yeah. Great. And you had a great cast. You've got Jamie Foreman, yeah. Marty McCutcheon, Alan Davies, who we've mentioned, Brennan O'Connor as your lead, Adam Deacon, Ewan McIntosh, Mark Diamond, who I know well, obviously TJ Herbert himself. And, oh, oh, thank you. And Danny, thank, Danny Midwinter right, as well. Right at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Right at the bottom. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, are you reading Danny my press Midwinter. release? Yeah. <laughs> You're not on that. We also had some cameos as well. Go on, tell me. No, who? we had Rap Wilding, who's yeah. uh, the presenter of Crime Watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. We also had Anthony Costa as well yeah. Blue. well yeah there you go bums yeah. on seats already people rushing oh, we, we had Cian Garnier the C. world Garnier. freestyle champion yeah, yeah. yeah. he damaged his legs before he could he come so he turned up and we, we've actually got him in one of the, the scenes and then he had to bring some of his guys over who were fantastic they played West Ham right okay. and boy could they play football yes they, they were play. good they're proper they players. were very good but he can yeah. walk so you know we, we oh, hire Cian Garnier world freestyle champion and he can't turn up first day and he's in a leg brace again another issue <laughs> wow and you have to you're going right well what are you going to do then yeah <laughs> you oh, have brought, to constantly my guys. That's, that's filmmaking though you, you're constantly having to deal with problems mm-hmm. find solutions quickly so so it never affects the end product and yes. that's what we're always yeah, trying to yeah. do well let's just jump back a bit let's talk about period film you mentioned there it's a period film mm. this is a period football film so you've got double whammy here how did you go about doing that obviously period side is tough you've made a few period films in your time yeah. how did you go about this then also as, on a budget with, a, with an indie well. film on a budget well, you know, you know the, one of the location. first one of the first things is yeah locations mm. you know if you're going to film anything and you want it to look good you want to choose a really great location mm-hmm. that that instantly gives you the potential to have as good as Hollywood can have. If you can find a good backdrop and set it against a good backdrop, it means that you can get so much value for your filming. So we were probably, we were at this wonderful, wonderful old um, kind of like old 1960s, 70s stadium at Crockin Hill. Well, Bromley, which was, the problem I suppose we had at Bromley at that time, that stadium is it was really modern and it just would never match. TJ took me there and said, what can you film here? And I just went, nothing, Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing. It it is actually a really lovely, shiny stadium 
which has advertising absolutely everywhere. So there was no way you could put a camera and you wouldn't see something that was modern day. Well, so, same as when I did the Damned United. There was no way we could shoot at Leeds United's ground. It was just no. impossible. Right. No. So I think we used Chesterfields in the end and they just really made it look dreadful. Right. And, and it, it looks great. <laughs> yeah. Screen, Damn, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that is a great, great yeah. film, That was movie, one of our references, say. funny yeah. enough, when we looked it at was. this. Probably yeah. all my scenes, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, but really, really, a really, really good story. I mean, a really yeah, powerful yeah, exactly. story. And, and, and well period. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. And also that, you know, the, the, in a sense, when we when we looked at this, you know, with myself, especially and, and the DP. Bart Sinovich. Bart, yeah. Sinkovich. 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 Amazing DP. Mm-hmm. Really great cinematographer. And he also shot it as well. So he did both. You know, he's really good, like brilliant team around with him as good. well. Um, when we looked at it, we kind of had to look at, okay, it's a period film. And it's also, it hasn't, it's not a high energy movie either actually a lot of the stuff is people talking so what you know what are we going to do and and i I kind of thought it would be wrong to do anything else other than shoot it in kind of the way they would shoot 70s stuff Mm -hmm. um which means you don't intercut you don't use lots and lots of cuts and you don't do clever things with the camera you know i would say damn united definitely got away with it because they he he definitely chose to use certain things that wouldn't have been available in the 70s, but it worked brilliantly. With this one, I just wanted to shoot it really simply. And I remember when I went to watch lower league football, any football that time, especially lower league football, uh, you were a long way away from the action. And the action was was always over there somewhere. It was never mm. super close like it is with a brilliant, the, you know, Sky, BT Sport, what have you. The, the coverage is amazing. But that's we don't have that. And so I wanted to make the football seem just the way it was as a spectator in those days, which is you viewed it from a distance. Mm-hmm. So everything wasn't super close and it wasn't cut, 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 cut. But more or less, the, 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 the whole thing was to try to capture the 70s, yet but not absolutely replicate it. So we tried to shoot it in a very unfussy way, which for me is quite hard and Bart too, because both of us like to be visually dynamic and this just kind of said, no, it's a comedy that you, you don't want to do that. You know, you want to, I say to him sometimes, you've got to sit on our hands yeah. and try to shoot it very, very simply. Um, so that, that was one of the kind of drivers. But 70s, we, we found we could go to parks and parks don't really change much from, you know, 1970 today. So that's kind of, you know, you could shoot a few scenes around there with a little bit of, you know, a, a little bit of arrangement to do that. Obviously, you can al- always run and gun somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I've borrowed all sorts of locations in the past by getting in there, doing the job and getting out quick. But with this one, we kind of set up. And so we could have the time to make that park look 70s because, hey, it's not changed. Crocken Hill just looks 70s. So we must have shot 40, 50 percent. And then we went to a few other locations that were all very period uh, ways. And that was one of the biggest ways of doing it. Also, then set design, mm. set design. You, When it's brilliant, you just don't see it. But you just know you're there. Costume and makeup. When it's great costume and makeup and it's the correct age for everybody. So, for instance, the um, the makeup designer, Bex, she wouldn't, uh, Rebecca Hall, she she wouldn't just look at someone and go, oh, you're 70s. Actually, when you're in your heyday, you're in the 50s. Right. So I'm going to mm-hmm. give you all the nods from 50s because you went through the 70s. You were basically still, still with a 50s haircut, what yeah. have you. So the detail that she gave to everybody and Julia, who is this amazing costume designer we had as well, you put the two of them together and they literally created. So when the actors came to set, they came to a kind of period location mm-hmm. um, that was not in any way modern, especially at Crock and Hill. 
and obviously we made it even less so amazing really great amazing work. yeah it seems like you had a great team and i think that's what's important is getting a great team around you when you're making any indie film but yeah. especially a period indie film mm. yeah those people have to know what they're doing when you're working on a restricted budget you tend to be given the kind of camera you can afford now we got a harry it was an old harry but mm. a big old harry uh, and then um bart suggested you know looking at anamorphic lenses i went straight away i love the sound of this just show me test them but these are massive so <laughs> i probably oh. the biggest one was about just under a meter wow so you put an array an old array Against and you so you've almost got two meters so we, we well when we come to to shoot in things like uh, the bedroom you know it was a real squeeze and and when you do build a set which obviously is an expense then you have to pull out different walls so you can actually get the camera far enough back otherwise the lenses right up against the actors you mm. can't light it and you can't shoot anything other than kind of close-ups and you know this kind of film it's just not reliant on close-ups you always context always context and also when we came to do car shots because we had quite a few scenes where we had to do dialogue in cars or what have you there's no way you could put that camera in any car and get any shot no. at all so in the end we were often on the outside of the car looking in which just again in terms of comedy that the, the 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 kind of the the less fussy you are the better you allow your actors as a group to act mm. and they find timing that you're only going to have to try to recreate later on. Yes. And so often comedy works very nicely when you get a great bunch of actors together and they riff off each other. They, they're the lines. They're, they're your lines. You know, they, you don't need to change them, mm -hmm. but you can find the rhythms and you can find something that's funny. And if I'm only shooting a single shot in one direction, then that means actually you can have several takes to get that right mm. because I'm not having to relight. I'm not having to do this. I'm not having to do that. So, you know, I, whenever we could, I wanted to do that as well. I wanted to do things all in one, you know, it's, it saves time, but actually it's because actors do work well when they're allowed to act together. Good tip. Very good tip. Anything else you want to add about shooting period film? Because obviously it's, it's an interesting topic for people. Well, it's, it, yeah. Is it I mean, advisable look, mainly? But look, yeah, yeah. always, yeah? always okay. do what you want to do. You know, you will find streets in London that are perfect as backdrop. Don't forget if you're doing a period, say 1960s, you can use anything that goes, you know, back Victorian mm. times, Edwardian times, all those are up for it. I mean, obviously there are always going to be slight limitations and sometimes you're going to be using a bit of special effects because everyone has house alarms now. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a satellite dish, you know, lots of things, but you can frame it around. You know, you can get a big wide shot and then paint little bits and pieces out, keep it still, make it simple. And then you can shoot very close up shots. You've got your big establishing wide shots. So you are where you are. And if you want to paint out a few little details, that really doesn't cost much money. And most of the equipment that we have these days can do it for almost nothing. And then, yeah, shoot big close ups, you know, real shallow depth of field. And you put those two together and you've got a period film and you're borrowing a location that you don't have to pay for. Super. Really good. Thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, the Bromley Boys. I'm at the premiere Thursday. Very excited for that. And then when's the actual release of the film? When can people watch this in the cinemas? The film is out on June the 1st. June the 1st. Uh, nationwide. Mm. Um, we, we've, in the end with this film, we decided to go for self-distribution. Um, we managed to raise 100,000 P&A spend from our investors um and what that's allowed us to do is basically get a campaign that's very unique and works for this type of film you know you can't just chuck a blanket type of distribution at every film i think everything has to be the right strategy tailored for it tailored actually. exactly so so with this one we, we sat down and we worked out the plan how are we going to get this out there mm -hmm. you know we always said if we don't get with a major studio we're always going to do this ourselves because we spent seven years making the film 
and you know it's only us that can really put the same effort and energy and love, and, and love into the release so we've got on board experts in each individual fields that have helped make that possible so you know we have a theatrical booker with martin myers who's amazing mm-hmm. he has the relationships with the cinemas um and then we've got people who are experts in poster design and then we've got experts in um trailer producing you know so we try to go to the agencies and the people that work really well then we brought on board um publicists that are working full-time with us and we've got two great publicists on the film um and then for us we're kind of in the middle trying to manage everything so part of our strategy was to have the premiere at Wembley Stadium because that was the launch pad we felt was mm. right for this film. And then from the premiere, then the film will go out on tour. So when we're doing the premiere in Newcastle, mm-hmm. um, we're doing also a premiere in Manchester mm-hmm. um, and, and taking it out. So it's not just London-centric. So then local press will then pick it up and give us more <laughs> of exposure in, in other areas. Yeah. Um, and then also Sky are doing um, a preview screening for their VIP customers. So it oh, means great. we don't actually generate any revenue from that. But what it does is, 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 is help the word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And this film we knew was going to play well. We did four test screenings mm-hmm. um, with various audiences. So we knew that, that it was going to play really well for audiences. So so the, the, when Sky said, look, we want to do this preview screening idea, we said, great, we'll do that because we know that word of mouth will help. Then we're also looking at cinema on demand mm-hmm. um, through our screen. I don't yep. know if many people know much about it. We've mentioned it, it quite a lot on the podcast, um, our screen. Yep. It, it's, it's great. It works really, really well. And then also Martin's now getting the cinema chains on board. And we've got a great campaign where you know our PR machine's working now. So Martin's started to do TV shows. Uh, BT Sport covered us on the weekend. So we were on about two different channels, I yep. think, on the yep. weekend. And then after that... Um, you know, we've got all the radio, all the printed press. So which, what we're trying to do now is build up to the release on the 1st of June. Um, also, on top of that, we have the non-league clubs because at the true heart of this film, it's a non-league story as well. Mm, that's clever. And so, and so we've gone direct. to non-league clubs and saying, look, here's a non-league Wanna film, a you know, you know mm. that can really celebrate non-league football and what it's like to support a non-league club so we went out to the whole non-league community amazing oh, let's talk about the marketing side then now because leading up to the premiere and all the work you're doing behind the scenes now to get it done you want to throw it out to so many different directions and you don't know what's going to stick you know mm. i don't know what the rule is of how many times you actually see a message before it stays in your brain and you you go ahead and make a purchase sure so you, you can't just put all your eggs in one basket and say i'm just gonna do this part of the marketing you've got to look at so many different things so we got together a team which consists of pr mm-hmm. which is really important and the way you have to look at pr is if you've got um all the TV shows and all the radio coverage and everything else. And if you had to pay for that, you know, that's the value of what PR is. And if you're paying someone um, a, a weekly wage or whatever it is, that's going to be far less than the coverage you're going to get. So mm. we put a big impetus into PR also trying to get an outdoor campaign. And it's amazing that we've got some billboards around oh, the no, UK at the them. moment. They're great. Um, you know, so, so that was part of our strategy. And was it all in, in the budget from the beginning? to do this we, we had a budget but then obviously the same as it when you're changing. making a film the yeah, budget changes and it evolves according to the opportunities that show themselves to you so mm-hmm. you know so that that was the other good thing sorry to jump in dean but right. the fact that we were able to do the distribution ourselves
themselves are able to do the distribution themselves because once again we're the masters of our own destiny mm, yeah you know and, and we honestly felt that no one was going to be able to position this film and market this film better than us based on the conversations we'd had with distributors that taking nothing away from them but sure. you know it's it's not an easy sell this film you know mm. it's a uh, a local story about a rubbish football team mm -hmm. that also has this rites of passage element. Now, yes. for some distributors, when you say rites of passage, coming coming of age, mm. uh, no thanks. Right. It's a comedy. Yeah, no thanks. Um, we did have some uh, offers on the table from distributors, but you know, all in all, we just felt we've been with this baby for so long now. Mm -hmm. Let's see it all the way to fruition and to to the end game which is trying to secure as many screens as possible and obviously you know we can we can say this now but i don't think we would have got the traction that we've got had we handed over the keys to a third party to yeah. do it for us i think right. I, I, you know it's only, only us can really work every minute of the day on this one project you've got to think a distributor and some of the smaller companies you know, they're releasing 20 films in that quarter yeah we're only releasing one so we can put the, the energy okay we not might not have the same contacts or years of experience but but certainly we'll put every ounce of energy we have into the release of this film and probably when you put a value on that you know it's incredible what we've managed to achieve and, and what we've got for our hundred thousand PA budget, you know, we probably in the end would be about three or four million pounds worth mm. of PA spend. Yeah. Right. Um, based on all the favours and everything that we pulled in. But it's the same mentality of when you're making the film. Mm -hmm. You know, what what's hard for me, I'm I'm very obviously I'm experienced as a, a filmmaker, but I'm a novice at distribution and I'm not gonna sit here and say, Oh, I'm mm -hmm. I'm an expert at marketing and distribution because I'm not. So it's it's trying to get the best people around you. The same as when you're making a film, you want the best HODs around you and you rely on their experience. It's the same in distribution. Yeah. You want to get the best people that have been around doing this job year in, year out, and they know their department. On that, actually, uh, that's the other great thing about being in charge of the distribution ourselves. We've got a number of bits of key artwork that we can seed out. So we don't have just one poster. We've got Great. different posters. We've oh. got plays on the characters. We've got these um, old school sort of football cards mm -hmm. that have the key characters on. So, you know, there we've been able to do something that ordinarily we wouldn't be able to do if we were with a distributor. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we both agree on this, Dean, don't we? That the biggest marketing tool that we will hopefully have is yet to come. And that's the good British public and word of mouth. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Yeah. You know, um, if we can and get them talking about, about that yeah. as well, because, you know, you, you try and there's so much impetus put on the opening weekend and how well a film does. Yeah. But with this strategy, the idea is that we grow, not, you know, rely yeah. on one it, weekend yeah. and, and the box office figures to see how it's, well it does. It's going to be a slow burn. And that's why we've said from selected cinemas from the 1st of June. Because you might still be playing in yeah. the end of June. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and we've yeah. also had to do the 16-week window. One thing you've got to make a decision when you're going out with a theatrical release, there's, there's a lot of tendencies to shorten the window. And, you know, when we did City Rats, that was a perfect strategy. It was never going to be a film that played theatrically. Mm -hmm. So we used the cinema window really just to get more exposure reviews. get the more press and yep. everything else that uh, and reviews that we needed and then it was out on dvd which literally three or four days later and that strategy worked great for that film where this is a different strategy and and you know we knew this was uh, after doing four test screenings 
that this played so well in front of audiences. So we devised a strategy to work around mm. word of mouth and building rather than just putting all our eggs in one basket and going for an opening weekend smash. Mm-hmm. And, and then if that doesn't happen, you know, you're out to cinemas yeah. In, yeah. in a week. Yeah. Um, and the then other... it's gone. Then the whole thing is mm-hmm. like blown to pieces, yep. isn't it? Yesterday's news. Yeah, you know, it's true. Yeah, and and I think the other problem in this country, and, and it's getting tougher and tougher to release films at the moment. You know, a lot of distributors are um, closing down. You've not got the same level of distribution that there once was because mm-hmm. the market's got smaller, and you know, there's a lot of companies consolidating. So, you know, when you're making your film, you think, oh, everyone's going to throw loads of money at me, and 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 they're going to give me millions of pounds for my film and then mm-hmm. they're going to spend another million pounds releasing it. You're being fooled if you think that's going to happen because yeah. the, the the market and the numbers are not there. You know, only a, a year ago, some films you know, with A-list Hollywood stars have gone down by four times in terms of value. So true. And, yeah. and so that's what you're fighting against as well. So I, I think self-distribution is going to become more and more... Um, common now so people can go and watch it in the cinema from the 1st of June or find somewhere they can f- watch it yeah through uh, our screen through yeah. our screen yeah. but also we put um, on the Bromley Boys website so we, we as well as Facebook and the usual social media mm-hmm. we decided to build a website for this film so on there the BromleyBoys.com there is all the sites where the film's available um, and we're constantly updating the sites as yeah. and when it, yeah. so people can, you know, see where it's local to them and go and watch the film. Great. And they won't be disappointed. You know, I, I, I haven't had anyone come out and say, oh, I didn't like that. Mm. You know, it's or been, Northern. Yeah, yeah. Or Northern. I don't know. They, were they from <laughs> North? Well, it sounded it. I thought yeah, it was yeah. slightly Welsh, I well, thought. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of a Welsh twang. Maybe that's yeah. why I gave up acting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That, that is the crazy thing with all this. Yeah, you you know, don't know, we haven't slept for ages and, and worked every day trying to get this film out but but at the end of it we could have a, a huge hit or we could just be licking our yeah, wounds it's it's still an unknown a complete unknown actually that says everything about filmmaking boys <laughs> it does though doesn't it yeah. filmmaking. this has been fantastic thank you so much for cheers Charles really it's been a pleasure where can we follow you personally on social media we can follow you at scanner roads right on twitter is that right yeah kind of yeah you can follow I, him i really home. look at it you can mm-hmm. follow me but yeah. you might not get many tweets I, i've generally been using facebook because okay. i'm still a bit old school yeah. that's fine that's fine yeah. and tj where can we follow you uh well in terms of the film it's uh, on twitter it's bromley boys film Good man. uh and my uh twitter handle is uh, TJ Herbert UK. Uh, please follow me and I will double my number of followers. There we go. So do follow <laughs> TJ. And if you're listening to this and don't, uh, then just stop listening because, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's what it's about. They're taking yeah. the time to do this. Follow them, support them, retweet, say thank you for giving us some advice on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And also, uh, I want to say well done to Giles. He's yeah. done well, such a great job you. here and he's such a good director. And I do hope you. one day we <laughs> are on this. set together. Not eating the bacon roll because obviously you're vegan. Absolutely. You know, so, <laughs> so, so having a nice vegan roll on set one day, I hope. Thanks, well, Dean. Corn, I'm sure corn we do again. a lovely spin on bacon, actually, yeah. now. They do. They yeah. do. Yeah. 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 yeah, they do. We'll have a corn roll. <laughs> we'll have a corn roll. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Giles. It's been a pleasure, mate. Absolutely. Boys, okay. thank you so much. And um, Steve Kelly, we've got to say thank yeah, you, Steve. Yeah, Steve Kelly. What's he, he had to go because... Yeah, he's, he's, just got, to, he's he got, got to pick to up kids, and we just talked for too long. Really. Should we pretend he's here, Steve? Yeah. Where, oh, can, yeah, where Steve? can we follow you? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the middle of that, basically the recording stopped halfway through. Steve then had to go because we had to go get some batteries, um, um, and he's not here, so that's why he didn't hear his voice for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But thank you, Steve. Um, thank you, Steve. really appreciate that. Thank you, Steve. Um, 
Remember, pick up a camera, shoot something. No matter how small, no matter how cheesy, no matter whether your friends and your sister star in it, put your name on it as a director. Now you're a director. Everything after that is just negotiating your budget and your fee. James Cameron. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, oh, said oh, it all. So be a bit mad. I think you have to have a bit of madness. To you have to have a bit of madness. It goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you know, got to, I, I, got I don't to. think it's for the same people. It's in not. The industry, it's not. It? No, I no. agree. But thank you for listening. Really do appreciate your time for listening. If you got this far, um, <laughs> the next show is out on Tuesday. As always, we will see you then. Till then, goodbye. Well done. Bye bye. <laughs> well done, mate. Yeah. All right. Bye, doggy. Bye, Bye, doggy. (laughs) No, you're not going to make noise now. (laughs) 